Sweet Talk is a weekly 20-minute podcast brought to you by the Continuing Education Workforce Training Division of Idaho State University's College of Technology. This podcast is part of our continuing outreach efforts, and the format is conversation. We're having conversations with businesses, professionals, entrepreneurs, community agencies, and in all cases, difference makers. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So subscribe today. Take 20 minutes and hear from people living in your community who are making a difference in your community. It's time to get started with Sweet Talk. Hello, everyone. This is Jason Batalden. With uh, I'm the Assistant Director here at Continuing Education Workforce Training. Paul, you're on the show today, as pretty much always. Well, you know, I had that bout for little for that one sh- one episode, but I'm I'm glad to be here. How are you doing today, Jason? I, you know what? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's can I just say, I love this time of year in Eastern Idaho. I, I feel like I survive like nine or ten months of really weird weather for this mid-September to late October time frame. I don't know what it is. I mean, this is the one time of the year to be in Southeast Idaho. Man, man, I, I you know, I, it's great. Yeah, the weather's great, but I'm a, I'm a New England boy. Oh, I got it. And, oh. you know, fall in New England is a cliche for a reason. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. And I, and I have no idea. I've never been to the fall in uh, New England in the fall, so... I have no point of reference. I'm just telling you, in compared to the other 10 months of weather in Southeast Idaho, these are my two favorite months. Oh man, the the nice crisp, cool air. Yeah. The, the it's so it's so nice to be able to walk outside and not have that heat blurring on you. It, it is it is wonderful. I, right I mean, and and the, you know, less wildfires. And so that air is a little, little easy to breathe in than it, is, gonna, than it has been for most of the summer. Here. All right. I'm going to have you convinced on my side here by the time we get into this all podcast. Right, You're going to be on my side. <laughs> yeah. Look, hey, we got to do some, we got to throw out some plugs here, Paul. We have finished uh, the fifth and final series uh, episode in the series, a podcast about podcasting by podcasters. You know, we love that title when we came up with it, but man, that thing has been the hardest thing to say for the last three or four months. I I don't know why I can't get it out. But anyway, we've got five episodes up. Uh, It, I think they're, they're excellent resource. uh, If you're interested in starting a podcast, whether uh, a personal podcast, whether you're a business and you're thinking maybe this might be a new platform to talk about what you do or how you do it, um, or even, um, you know, any other reason that you would like to start a podcast, I think you definitely want to check this out. It's on our website and all that information. It's right here on uh, Sweet Talk and it's posted in all our usual places on Spotify, Apple podcasts, and we have the video portions up on YouTube. So uh, please be sure to check those out. Yes, please. And also, um, hey, write us an email. Um, yeah. You know, uh, we'd love to hear from you at cetrain at isu.edu. That's right. Give us some feedback. Let us know if you put our ideas to work and they failed miserably. <laughs> 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 Who knows? Maybe that's how it is. Paul, we have an exciting guest today. And I can tell you right now from our pre-conversation, pre-show conversation, that this 20 minutes is going to come and bite us. Uh, it, is, it is. It is. Because we're going <laughs> to we're going to go to town for sure on this. But with that being said, I give the official welcome, welcome. with welcome, uh, John Young. 
And uh, with the welcome, we know the 20 minutes has started. So uh, introduce yourself to our Sweet Talk audience. Well, it's great to be with you guys. Uh, happy to be part of a podcast that looks and sounds this good. Oh, thank um, you. So my name is John Young. I'm the video lecturer now at the uh, ISU Department of Communication, Media, and Persuasion. And uh, I'm a full-time employee. Half of my contract is the classroom teaching. The other half is I'm also the director of sports broadcasting. So I lead a, a crew primarily of students, although I do have some um, more professional or, or legacy people uh, with more experience to help me train those students. And we produce 60 to 70 live broadcasts of ISU varsity athletics events each year for the World Wide Web. And the big excitement now is uh, we are on ESPN Plus this year. So we nice. are working wow. with some of the biggest brands in the business, uh, making ISU look great to the world. Right so our, uh, our platform is ESPN Plus. We work with Disney Master Control every time we do a broadcast. Uh, that's just new this year. We've been on other streaming services in the past, Pluto TV, the last three years. But the Big Sky Conference has sold its broadcasting rights now to ESPN and Disney. And so we're part of a, you know, that family now, the whole university. And I get the opportunity as a media professional to be, um, you know, a gatekeeper and making sure that those content uh, pieces are, are seen and make us look good. Wow. I, wow. Yeah. Excellent. Well, both Excellent. Paul and I are jumping on here with questions. I could just, I, I was, I'm watching Paul in the, on the screen here and I'm like, oh, Paul's got questions. And so do I. So Paul, jump off here and, and get us started. I, there's some really neat things we want to talk about today, well, but I'll let you go first. You know, I, you know, I'm the video instruction manager for our department, John. So I'm a, the video guy here. And, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm self-taught. You know, when I started here years ago, they kind of sat me in front of a computer and said, edit <laughs> and walked away. Um, and then from there, I, but so I, I not always tape to tape, not deck to deck. No, no, no. I, it's <laughs> a, no, I, I've seen that I, in college. I saw that I, I, I was part of that, but no. Um, and uh, I just kind of always have technical questions. I have, um, you know, so when you go out, um, obviously uh, you must be using a TriCaster when you're yes. broadcasting. Yes. Um, and how many cameras do you have set up when you're doing a sporting event? So it varies by the sport. Uh, we do as few as two of basically a wide or a game camera is the ESPN terminology uh -huh. covers most of the action. And then we use a hero cam or a tight cam uh, to get, you know, more emotion, individual player profiles, cutaways of the crowds, things like that. So for volleyball, say, uh, or basketball, we'll have those two cameras right in front of the production uh, area at the top of Reed Gym. Uh -huh. We're about center court. And so I've got one safety camera that's wide covering everything. And then I've got a more skilled operator on the tight camera. And we're talking on headsets. And I'll say, you know, get that little kid dancing in the crowd or, um, you know, get the, get the hero shot of the coach, you know, yelling at the ref. Uh, so it's, it's, they have more flexibility in what they're covering as opposed to the game cam, which is really meant to be the primary action camera. And then we have a wireless system and we put a camera down on the floor and it, that's kind of optional. So the two cameras, the wide and tight high cameras are mandatory, uh -huh. but the floor camera, if we have the uh, personnel 
Um, we like to have that as a third angle. So we, we have volleyball, soccer, basketball that are all basically that setup two two primary cameras and then a floor camera we go to football we expand out to four and five cameras we had a third fixed camera in the end zones so we've got two high one in the low end zone a wireless camera roaming the sideline and then occasionally we've we've wired hold to have a we can put a, a camera all the way over in the far corner looking down the far sideline right Okay. One of the things that's really interesting, if I can just keep going a little yeah. bit, is, uh, you know, not only are we broadcasting for the online audience and our numbers get into five figures, we get 20, 30,000 people watching broadcasts, sometimes as much as 100,000 if it's a big football game. And that was prior to ESPN. Uh, just for an example, last year, the women's basketball team was very strong. Pluto TV was able to track and we were getting 10 to 12,000 people per game. Nice. Which is extraordinary, right? You know, you think it may seem mostly friends and family are watching, but no, this digital media is so available that people all over the world, you know, were watching women's basketball and picking up our broadcast. So that's exciting. And um, one of the things we have to do, though, is not only serve that audience, but we, my equipment, my personnel are also part of the Big Sky replay team. So we're sort of official documentarians, you know, not for broadcast, but at the same time providing, you know, independent four, three or four streams of video for the big sky replay officials. Right. They record everything in a, their own dedicated system. And, you know, not only to, I think, look at it did that play, you know, did the player step on a line or did they get the shot off in time, you know, things that they review. But I think, you know, with, with all the concussion protocols and concerns over liability, my take has been that when they brought in replay and said, you must work with replay and provide dedicated lines to this recording system, you know, the conferences want to want a record of everything that happens on these playing courts in case there's any injury pushback. So it's it, when I when I realized that was going on, that is this is more than just entertainment. This is now, you know, has some legal ramifications. I think suddenly the weight of what we do became even more apparent. Uh, and so then, then we do other things. I provide the video to the big board in Holt and I provide mm -hmm. video to the. Um, hallway cameras they built a network hallway tv so in hold if you go to the concession stand and you're waiting in line there's two or three tvs showing our broadcast up in the hallway and so when we're especially when we're doing football we're sort of the center of the spider web where we're feeding one you know one master out to espn plus we're feeding another master out to big sky replay we're feeding the hallways we're feeding the big boards and any one of those as you guys know can go wrong yeah, at oh, any given oh, time oh yeah i mean crazy I, in the hub oh yeah i mean when you're doing video uh, you know part of it's just when I'm doing any sort of uh, video broadcasting, because we do our smaller events and we have a TriCaster in our, our department. So, um, and you, you go and it's just, you start up, you set up and you just go, I just want it to work. Because if it stops working, that's all they remember is it stopped working. That's right. uh, they don't remember everything was working fine to a certain point. They just know, hey, this didn't go out. Right. Um, and, you know, and especially we, you talked about wireless. 
oh man, that's cr- creates such anxiety in me <laughs> on the wall. On a because we do have we do use a wireless camera in our our system and just go. Yeah, if that wireless goes out, you know, now we got black going out. And that's the one thing. You never want black going out. Right. Right. Hey, John, I, I obviously just, you know, having that conversation about the technical side of it, but I guess one of the thoughts that had came to my mind was so you've been in this business, you've seen a lot of uh how technology has probably changed the uh business of, you know, video production and how that works. Um, I mean, you know, from tape to computers to, you know, wireless and on up, um, kind of the other half of your job as a video lecturer and instructor, I I suppose that provides a pretty interesting perspective in your point, when you're talking to students, uh, you can kind of talk to a little bit about the history as, and have experienced and been through that change. Um, I'm assuming that, that, uh, you have that neat, uh, unique perspective that you're going to bring to the table. Absolutely. I, I started, you know, in professional video in 87, 88, 89. Uh, Paul, we referenced it was tape to tape <laughs> with no computers involved. Uh, I started at KPBI Channel 6 in my first, you know, full-time job uh, as a media professional. And um, yeah, we used pretty archaic equipment, even, even for that era, right? You know, small market uh, stuff was 10 years old by the time I got to be using it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we've watched and I've experienced the digital transition and it's just, it's jaw dropping really. Uh, and if I want the kids to glaze over in my lecture, all I got to do is start talking about the old days. <laughs> yeah. The old days. Because <laughs> so, you know, They can't relate. It has no relevance anymore. I mean, there's no value really in spending much time explaining them the vagaries of videotape. Yeah. So uh, I, I remember um, working in a, a cable station back in the day during my college and they just had these big giant commercial beta machines. Right. And, and then they had the, the wheel editors. Right. Um, and, yeah. And, yeah. And you talk to that and people go, well, no, no, no. It's a tape and tape and tape and tape. You had like a, a dozen tapes for like a, you know, a five hour thing and they go, but now it's like, I've got that on this card. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I miss about tape is the um, integrity of the source media. You know, you'd record a tape, you'd put it on a shelf, uh, and it was always there. And with digital files, you can lose them. They can get corrupted. Uh, You know, it's a lot easier to sort of lose track of a little card if that's your source file. But I end up, you know, I end up taking everything off the cards that we record in the cameras and putting it on a hard drive somewhere and then making multiple backups because just digital files get lost. And, you know, I've got a whole library of personal digital videotape. You know, that it was shot 20 years ago when digital cameras first came out and they still used mini DB tape. And I, you know, I know where it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not wondering which which hard drive, you know, that I bought 10 years ago that I no longer, you know, have right. where yeah. it is. So Yeah, I've, I've got a desk drawer of like uh, like uh, seven uh, har- external hard drives that, you know, I just because I'm purging our redundant um, server drive like every uh, you know every three months, and you, you just have to put them on a hard drive, and you put them on two, put them on two hard two, drives, right. two yes. hard drives, right. um, because right. you know you know I, I heard the expression uh, one is none, 
two is one because you should always ba- have a backup of a backup. Right. Well, I really like that. And I, I would agree. I would never want just one digital copy of critical media because if that drive decides to go belly up, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. So, you know, when I applied for this job back in the day, John, um, they made you fill out an essay um, for when you applied, basically a bunch of questions about, you know, your history and um, uh, what, how to do the video stuff. And, and I was filling out this essay and they still talked about tape in these essay questions that they provided. <laughs> they still talked about tape. So I turned it around and I, and I basically started writing this thing about, no, it's all about digital management, digital <laughs> data management. And uh, they came back. Oh yeah. You have the job. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, right. Well, it's you know nice what? to be on the leading edge, right? Yeah, right, uh, right. <laughs> it's all relative. Right, uh, exactly. Because right. like, like what? Because I like you know these. This is, this is arcane. Because <laughs> like, right. it seems like they, you know, and I think it's funny because even though you know we've we've gone digital for like almost ten years, maybe even fifteen years now, you still use the term tape. <laughs> film and and it still comes back in, into into our vocabulary when we talk about the end you know what we're doing right. um, this has a sort of different meanings yes yeah, yeah I, has- I just had that discussion with my i'm teaching narrative video this fall and i had to open you know the week the opening week with this discussion of look i'm going to use the term cinema video um you know filmmaking storytelling but it's all basically digital video yeah. But it's not it's not the old video. It's not, you know, Jeopardy studio look uh, live to tape. You know, it's these these new cameras that are shooting video are very film centric, if you will, in terms of the output, the chip size. And so if we're in this world that's constantly evolving and changing in the old terms, the old technology. You're right. We still use them, but they really designate and mean something different so when i talk about video production now you know i want the kids and they they don't know anything different but you know i need i I need audiences and 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 students to understand that um we're not limiting just to sort of old school technologies we're using modern cameras that imitate what film cameras used to be the only thing they could do now the digital video cameras are basically we're doing cinema and filmmaking right yeah i mean well, the, the cameras yeah. nowadays are just unbelievable i mean unbelievable. Yeah. well and that i think this conversation also kind of lends itself now is you know you've been in this you know started with the tape to tape and and then now into the digital and how the digital's changed just how you even store your uh, source material let alone how you produce it edit it how you publish it um, but then, you know, we let's, let's take this a step farther. This was, uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, uh, pre-show was now the introduction of podcast, right now, the introduction of podcasting and how that affects, um, I don't know if that falls into the, it, uh, uh un, it has to fall into the umbrella of video, uh, production to a certain degree, doesn't it? Even though it's, uh, primarily a sound only, uh, platform. Paul, you want to start with that or should I? Well, um, I'll just chime in here. The equipment and all the equipment and that's available nowadays makes it more accessible to everybody to do some sort of video production nowadays. And in a lot of cases, 
there are a lot of podcasts that even though podcasting started out as an audio medium, you see a lot of podcasters that have now integrated that video component to their podcast as well. Because again, video production is a lot more accessible nowadays. And here we are, you know, using video in a fairly simple form. You know, the big difference uh, between this and say a, a traditional newscast visually is that we're not running any B-roll. So we're having a discussion and we don't have the fancy graphics, right? We could be ESPN or, or Fox News right now and each of us could be in our own little box with titles and, you know, scrolling and all of that. But that otherwise we're doing the same thing. We got three uh, distinct video uh, cameras uh, sending three distinct video sources to the final output. And um, looks great, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we're not using any external video. And why not? Well, it's a lot of work in the background, right? To have video assets, we would need at this point to have figured out our discussion ahead of time, produced edited, meaningful video, captured it somehow, acquired it somehow, edited it and have it queued up. And then you guys would either in post-production lay it in over the conversation or in a live studio environment, we'd have a, a director and a tape operator, or tape, tape operator, video right. server operator <laughs> serving it live. And th those are some of the things that I'm able to teach in the Idaho Public Television Studio where we you know, I, I ask my students in, I call it a studio content or studio-based content production now. It used to be TV news. <laughs> That's an evolution. But uh, yeah. studio-based content is that sort of live production control room uh, delivery of media where the students are on the desk anchoring in front of the camera, reading the teleprompter. They've written their scripts, but they've also prepared the video assets. And we serve those live on demand from the control room. And so I, I can teach the students how to produce five or 10 minutes of studio-based content. And the difference between what we're doing and that is all that work that has to go into preparing the visual media before you jump into the studio live. Uh, you're you're absolutely right because uh, in a lot of cases to make it that more finished polished look you need to have that stuff ahead of time so you need to know what your your content's going to be so that you can prepare that um, you know and we've streamed a lot of stuff and it's you know if I know ahead of time then I can create lower thirds ahead of time, have them prepped, have them installed into the TriCaster. Um, I guess in the studio, we'd put that in the studio um, system and so that you have them ready. So yeah, but you know, right now we're doing this on the fly, um, but it, it does look great though. <laughs> well, and I think just going on and flipping almost our conversation uh, to the other side of the coin, um, this format um, seems to be the more preferred choice on which people um, want to consume their content. It seems like the preference is not so much anymore or the necessity for that polished work isn't as essential um, for, to get the audience as maybe it once had been. I would agree completely, uh, Jason. I think you know podcasting has created a new paradigm where we used to think you know, no one would watch a TV newscast if it was just the two anchors you know, uh, without the video from the field, what, you know, if I'm telling you about the car wreck on the interstate, uh, you know, the whole value of TV news was being able to show you that. Right. Podcasting has changed that. And what's, what's been astounding to me, uh, just because I guess my bias of being so visually driven is how 
successful podcasts are. My sons are 23 and 19. And, um, you know, they listen to podcasts and they tell me about the successful audience building that's going on with, say, Joe Rogan and millions of people listening. And yet, technically, they're really not doing anything different than we are right here. No, no. Oh, <laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> 20 minutes. 20 minutes. So, so, so I, I just want to bring up, bring up one, one last thing. One last thing. One last thing. Um, we, we went back to the, what I said before about uh, video being more accessible to everyone. And so many people now create content. The one thing that, that, that I, I, still, I still don't know how to take this is YouTube has made the jump cut acceptable. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And you have to be at least over 40 to understand what that means. <laughs> no jump cuts. No. No jump. I, I watched a YouTube video and there's just some 20 something on and, and there's like jump, 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 jump. And I like go, when did this become acceptable? I don't know. <laughs> right. How did this become the new standard? I, yeah. Who knows? Well, uh, we're, hey. you know, we're swimming in different waters and uh, I think it's very important that we adapt Right. Because it's it's not our medium anymore. It's it's the kids coming up. Uh, and I love what you guys are doing. We're you know, this is adapting to the new environment. And yeah. I certainly hope we can work together and talk some more in this fashion. I think, um, you know, podcasting is something that, that, that the young people should 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 be taught. Uh, how to do, even if it's sort of simpler than, say, a TV newscast, there's a lot of similarities and we have the studios and we have the knowledge with this team. And I, I, I'd like to see the school really move in that direction and and get students excited about being on the air. Right. This is the right. new way to be on the air. Well, right. it also allows them to be more personable with their content, you know, because then they can create something that is really from themselves. Um, and, you know, when you're um, in the old days, when you went to uh, video production classes and so forth, you were, you know, you were taught to be part of a team. And then you were in many cases, you were going to output maybe news or some other, um, you know, broadcasting medium that was, you know, part of a team with uh, podcasting. You're actually really I can do this myself. I can put myself out there and create content that totally reflects my personality and who I am. And Jason, I know we got to wrap this up, but let me just weigh in quickly on that. So the sports broadcasting, the, the crew work that I do, which by the way is a paid position. The students get paid about $10 an hour to come and learn real world live sports broadcasting. I mean, it's a tremendous opportunity. I'd recommend to anyone. Um, That is that team environment in my classes. I, the students really do individual work. So they do get to learn how to express their own uh, artistic vision, whether it's in a narrative video setting or, you know, the intro or the studio or corporate video. Uh, it's not, I don't necessarily do that group work thing where you only play one role because I, I want these kids to understand it is an independent producer's world now. You have to be able to take it from concept to delivery by yourself. Yep. And the, and the risk that involves and the risk that involves, I think we can't ignore that either, right? Because when you do that individual piece, you put it out there um, and you have to be willing to realize that maybe not only three other people on the entire planet are, have the same interest or, in, you know, that you just put out. And so that's, that's kind of a neat little component to this podcasting experience is there is a, 
the risk is more uh, shouldered uh, by you, so to speak, or at least that's my perspective uh, right. on this thing. So, all right. All right, Paul, we do got to shut this down or we're going to have to create a part two I, of are this. You kidding? I could be here for another hour. <laughs> no. I would come back anytime, guys. Well, well please, just, just please. to be candid, John, I'm like, all right, we need to set up, you know, I know you're a busy man, but we just need to come and sit down and chat with you and, and, and refine uh, and learn some more how we, how we can do this and, and benefit from this. And, and, um, and so thank you for coming on the show today. Hey, with that being said, John, let's say we've got someone they're really interested and they're, they're wanting, Hey, maybe I, I want to get uh, some more formal education on, on this medium and how to work in this field. Uh, is it okay if they reach out to you? Do you have an email address they could contact you at? Absolutely. And it's the standard, you know, four by four ISU email. So uh, if you use the old version, well, I think we're actually John Young at yep. ISU.edu. Yep. J-O-N, J-O-H-N, um, Young in the traditional spelling way at, at ISU.edu. And Paul, that tells us that's a good time for us to remind people that they can email us at cetrain at ISU.edu. Uh, they can check out our website for sure. And it's the same thing, C-E-Train. And again, that's C-E-Train.isu.edu. Um, and finally, Paul, let's go old school if they want to call us. Yeah, if they want to ah. call us, they can call us at <laughs> 208-282-3372. Right on. John, this was a fantastic conversation. I think if I had to title it, and I probably won't title it this way, but you know, we just scratched the surface. I, I, that's the only way I could even think of this conversation at this point. So thank you so much. Uh, I, I can geek out on this stuff like <laughs> all day long. <laughs> and I, I don't think we're alone by any means. There's more producers than ever. And people <laughs> have different experiences. They get in, they decide, ah, oh, it's a lot more work than I thought, but other people get the potential here. Oh yeah. I mean, and, when, uh, yeah. Yeah. When you create something and it's something that you're proud of, there's no greater feeling. Right on. All right. Thanks, John. Thank you. Let's talk Thank some you more. so much, John. Take care, guys. Thank you. Thank you.